Good mornings and welcome to a new year. I'm Chris Oaks and coming up today, it's the technology we all love to hate, but it's been a lifesaver for many businesses during the pandemic. What is the future for artificial intelligence moving forward? Also this morning, from big infrastructure to the frontier of space to monumental shifts in the way we work, shop, and play, the year 2021 was all about major projects that will shape the future. And 250 vital things your cat wants you to know. The secrets to cohabitating with the most finicky and indifferent member of your family. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, January 3rd, 2022. Today is Festival of Sleep Day. Well, now they tell me. <laughs> if I'd have known it was Festival of Sleep Day, maybe I wouldn't maybe I wouldn't be uh maybe I would have just taken the extra day off. Uh also Humiliation Day, believe it or not. It is Remember You Die Day. Isn't that cheery? National Chocolate Covered Cherry Day, National Drinking Straw Day, National Right to Congress Day. <laughs> Right to Congress Day. Just get it all off your chest. <laughs> right, right to Congress. And it is Women Rock Day. So women, you rock. Reasons to celebrate today. No kidding. It says Festival of Sleep Day. Man, somebody should have told me. Uh, now that the uh, new year is here, Lake Superior State University is out with its annual list of banished words. Uh, the uh, They actually released this uh, Friday afternoon to cap off 2021. Uh, every year, they put out a list of words that should be banished from the American language. And it is compiled, the list is compiled from submissions that are sent from English-speaking people around the world. Various phrases or words that should be banished due to misuse, overuse, or general uselessness. And the top 10, in no particular order this year, of banished words from Lake Superior State University. Wait, what? That, that phrase, wait, what? <laughs> should be banished. Everybody's saying this. No worries is the next uh, phrase. I always say banished words list. This is actually more of a banished phrase list because these are all turns of phrase that are pretty common in our modern lexicon that are just overused, misused, or just generally useless. So wait, what? No worries. At the end of the day is another phrase. And it strikes me that hasn't that been on the list before at the end of the day? That being said... The phrase, that being said, asking for a friend. How many times have you heard that? As somebody poses a question that they want to know, and then they tag it, asking for a friend. Circle back. I'm going to circle back with you in, at the end of this year and find out if we've banished all of these words. Deep dive. We're going to do a deep dive into this list. New normal. I think we are all sick of that phrase. 
new normal. You're on mute, (laughs) which again, over the course of the pandemic, we've heard that quite a bit. You're on mute and supply chain. That's the other one that uh, we need to have banished. I, I don't know that that one has been misused, certainly overused. I don't know about misused or useless. Uh, certainly, we know the issues with the supply chain, but it would be good to banish that, I would have to agree. So there you go. The uh, banish words list for 2021. We'll work on banishing those words and phrases. So it is uh, dry January. Are you partaking or not partaking, as the case may be? This is an initiative that started uh, a decade ago in the UK to get people to see the mental, physical, and even financial benefits of living without alcohol. And now, these days, it is a uh, pretty trendy thing to take part Uh, in the tradition during the month of January of ditching alcohol for the entire month. And there are some real benefits here. Dr. George Koob, director of the National Institute of Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, says participating in dry January can be a great way uh, to learn more about your own drinking habits, take a critical look at this, and make healthier choices moving forward. He says a break can also shed light on how drinking affects your physical and mental health. In terms of purely uh, purely physical benefits, Dr. Tyler Osterley says heavy drinkers may find they see the biggest change if they participate. But for light drinkers, 31 days really isn't enough to make any physically uh, significant difference. Elective sobriety coach, Amanda Kuda. How would you like to have that job title? Elective sobriety coach, Amanda Kuda, says that while 31 days might not be long enough to make any meaningful changes, it can be a great start for someone who is, quote unquote, sober curious. Wasn't that one of the wasn't that one of the banished words last year? Sober curious. It seems to me I remember that that was one of those (laughs) they were talking about banishing. She says, dry January is a socially acceptable way to take a step back from alcohol in a world that is obsessed with booze. Dry January. I can tell you, I was, like I said, I was at the uh, Bengals game yesterday. If you've ever been to a football game, those are 60,000 people who are not participating in dry January. I can tell you that right now. (laughs) some pretty cool astrological events coming up this year uh as long as the weather is clear there are a lot of things that we will uh, be able to see in the night sky the uh, last two weeks of march mars saturn and venus will experience will appear extremely close to one another right before sunrise in the early morning sky they will be so close that they'll be in the same field of view for someone with a good pair of binoculars or a telescope. So they'll all be right there within the same field. The uh, Lyrid meteor shower is coming up in April 21st and 22nd. It will be the first meteor shower to peak in over three months, produce about 15 shooting stars per hour. 
there is a black moon on April 30th. Uh, You can't actually see it. It is the second new moon of the month. Um, And even though you can't see the moon, it would make stargazing easier since there won't be any moonlight out there. So astronomers are uh, pretty excited about that. Other astrological events to look forward to. The total lunar eclipse in mid-May. The first supermoon of 2022, June 14th. Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn aligning just before sunrise on June 24th. That'll be a big deal. I'm sure talk more about that as we uh, come up on that in the middle part of the year. The Perseid meteor shower in middle August. Another total lunar eclipse on November 8th. Mars opposition December 8th. And finally, the Geminid meteor shower in mid-December. So things to look forward to astrologically this year. Hey, did you uh, happen to see this? Winnie the Pooh is now in the public domain. A.A. Milne's beloved children's book um, is now, uh, it's among the works from 1926, whose copyrights expired on Saturday. So the original Winnie the Pooh book is now in the public domain. Now, be very careful about this. We're just talking about the original A.A. Milne book, certainly not the Disney character and all of the merchandise and all of that. You slap Disney's Winnie the Pooh image on a T-shirt and sell that online or something thinking, oh, it's in the public domain now. You're going to find out very quickly. No, it is not. But the original book, on which the beloved character is based, uh, the original book is now in the public domain. Uh, Also, Ernest Hemingway's classic novel, The Sun Also Rises, along with some early films starring Buster Keaton and Greta Garbo, among the works whose copyrights expired at the beginning of the year. As the calendar flips to 2022, poetry collections by Langston Hughes and Dorothy Parker, also turning 95 years old, and entering the public domain under U.S. law. So, kind of interesting there. And uh, I know, I don't know if you traveled over the holiday period. It was certainly a challenge with a lot of flights delayed and canceled and all of that. And, of course, uh, the airports were very busy and all of that. So, if you had some challenges while you were traveling... Consider yourself lucky if the, if this did not happen to you. Did you hear the story about the a woman who had to quarantine in the airplane bathroom, in the lavatory, in the plane for three hours on her flight from Chicago to Iceland? Apparently, Marissa Futeo uh, got two negative COVID tests prior to boarding her flight. But she started feeling, sti- feeling sick during her flight, and apparently she had a test on hand. I don't know if she had it or whether there was a test on board the plane that she took, a rapid test, and it came back positive while she was on the plane. So she decided to stay in the bathroom for the remainder of the flight in order to safeguard the health of the rest of the passengers and crew. After landing in Iceland, she was sent to a a hotel for a mandatory 10-day quarantine. But can you imagine 
having to uh, quarantine in the airplane bathroom for three hours uh, after you get a COVID positive COVID test mid flight. So there you go. If you were traveling over the holiday period and you had a tough time of it, consider yourself lucky. If it was, if you didn't have to quarantine in an airplane bathroom for three hours, then all things considered, uh, your uh, travel adventures were not as bad as they could have been. So something to think about. Welcome on in to a new year. Good to be with you uh, here on this Monday, January 3rd. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, plenty of sunshine today with a high of 30 Clear and cold tonight, a low of 22. The Finley Police Department says it took a driver into custody after a short chase down residential streets. Police say they tried to pull over the 24-year-old at around 3.30 a.m. on New Year's Day on Saturday. Police say the driver led officers on a brief chase at speeds around 70 miles an hour on South Main Street that ended in the 800 block of Maple Avenue. Police say the man was taken into custody for fleeing and eluding and also had an active warrant. No one was injured during the chase. Governor DeWine is mobilizing more than 1,200 more Ohio National Guard troops to hospitals across the state. Nearly 500 troops are in Cleveland at the area hospitals there. Some say adding more troops will help hospital staffing. The goal here is to expand the hospital's capacity because most of the hospitals tell us they have their, their challenge is not shortage of beds a shortage of staffing to staff those beds. Health leaders say more than 90% of people who are in the hospital for COVID statewide are unvaccinated. ONN's Tino Ramos reporting. The Maumee Watershed Conservancy District has approved the acquisition of an additional 260 acres for the Eagle Creek Floodwater Storage Basin just south of Findlay. Tim Miley, director of Findlay-Hancock County Economic Development and board member on Blanchard River Watershed Solutions, says the basin combined with other projects will reduce 100-year flood levels by about three feet. You could think about the 2007 flood or 2009 or the 2013 or 2017 flood, and if you were impacted, think about what that would do lowering it, and uh, you quickly realize how important this is. You can get more on the Basin Project and other flood mitigation efforts on our website. The Hancock Park District is reminding people that winter is a good time to go bird watching. Program specialist Tim Clayman on some of his favorite spots. You know, as you go out to any of our parks, I personally like going out to Riverbend and Oakwoods and Lutzenberg to go looking for birds. And he says your own backyard is also a great place to begin your bird watching. Get more on the Park District's bird-related programs on our website. And get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Well, this is the time of year, of course, when we look back on the year gone by, look ahead to the coming year. 2021 was certainly a most unique year for business on the heels of a most unique year in 2020 as well. Companies of all sizes and just about every industry were forced to take on a variety of new strategic priorities, being challenged to meet the needs of their customers while still finding ways to be more cost efficient, more responsive, and make faster, more informed decisions. Many of those businesses turn to artificial intelligence to address those shifts. So what is next in the world of AI heading into 2022? 
Seth Dobrin is Chief Artificial Intelligence Officer at IBM. Now, Seth, it is interesting. Your Global AI Adoption Index report for 2021 uh, which was conducted by Morning Consult just out, showed AI adoption nearly flat over the last year. But I would imagine that's probably because there was such a shift in 2020, as we mentioned. Yeah, so we saw a big shift in 2020. And, and we also saw an acceleration of specific types of, of AI in 2021. And, and, you know, specifically AI that was impacting uh, our, our health throughout the pandemic uh, and with the vaccine rollout. And, and I suspect that the, the, the flat nature that Morningstar saw was because companies were reevaluating where they were applying AI to focus more on areas that were, you know, helping them adjust to mm. the new world that we were living in through the last 18 to 24 months, as so, you called out. So uh, kind of fine-tuning it, in other words. And the, the bottom line is the AI, one way or the other, is really having a moment right now. It, kind of put this in perspective for Joe Average. Uh, how is AI uh, playing a role in our everyday lives? You know, AI impacts us probably a lot more than, than most people recognize. It, it impacts us uh, when we uh, apply for jobs, hopefully in a more trustworthy manner, and we're helping companies do that, uh, as you know, AI is used to screen resumes uh, and applicants for, for jobs. Uh, AI was instrumental uh, with companies like CVS and Kroger in uh, their uh, help in rolling out the vaccine across across the U.S. AI is also used in interactions with many of our, our the companies that we deal with. So, for instance. Quicken Loans and Rocket Mortgage, when you interact digitally with them, mm-hmm. it is not a human. It is an AI that that enable, enables that. And then AI is helping to uh, make supply chains more resilient as we're coming out of the pandemic and provide more personalized experiences with the companies that we interact with, both digitally and in the physical world. So that is AI uh, and how it is being applied in the here and now. What are some of the trends that you expect to see with respect to artificial intelligence heading into 2022? You know, I, I expect to see continue to see the, the AI investment that we saw in, in retail and healthcare that we saw drive up during the, the pandemic and, and, you know, in 2020 and 2021. Uh, I expect to see that continue and accelerate, uh, help provide better experiences with humans, more, uh, you know, providing more enjoyable experiences for us with with companies, whether it's through a virtual agent or through providing information to humans. I think natural language processing and natural language understanding, which is leveraging AI to interpret language, uh, will be used to help make health insurance easier to navigate, providing us more information in a more natural, in a way that's more natural for humans. Um, and and you know even things like explaining coverage and benefits and, and how you can get access to those uh, benefits that you need. What industries stand to gain the most as this becomes more and more common as the adoption of AI technology increases? You know, AI as we look to the future is going to take a shift towards thinking about the human first. For it to be successful, it needs to be human centered and it needs to be trusted. Uh, and we're going to continue to see AI help help humans more, not necessarily replace them, uh, regardless of what industries you, you you know you're in. 
when you know uh, think of uh, the humans as employees that's going to help deal with tedious as tedious processes and allow us to do more value-added work uh, through automation of those tedious processes, uh, providing data to, to better enable us to make better decisions, uh, and provide more sustainability and environmental intelligence as we're looking forward, uh, in, you know, to, to how can we provide a, a more environmentally friendly and, and sustainable society. What about on the consumer side? Uh, where will consumers see the biggest changes in the next 12 months and beyond? So, so I mean, I referenced a little bit where we're going to start to see AI become more trustworthy. And, and a key part of more trustworthy AI is explainability. So, for instance, if you look to how AI is using used in, in, high, in hiring and HR processes, that's, you know, in areas where AI affects our health, our wealth, our, our well-being, we as humans have a right to understand how an AI came to a decision, how it dealt with potential biases. And we're going to see an expansion of that, not just in HR use cases, but in other use cases that affect our health, our wealth, and our well-being, where we will get information about how an AI made a decision and that an AI was even used in the first place. What about the pushback? Uh, because I, I know you've heard this. You were using the example for, uh, uh, earlier, uh, Rocket Mortgage and and Quicken, when you're interfacing uh, with those uh, companies and those products, you are more than likely interfacing with uh, AI rather than an actual human being. And there are a fair number of people who say, I, I don't like that. I want to deal with a human being. I don't want to deal with a robot or a computer. How do you address the pushback? Yeah, so, so I think there's a couple of points underneath that question. So so one is that, you know, in the case of Quicken Loans and Rocket Mortgage, they use AI for the initial interaction. So they use a voice agent, a virtual agent for the initial interaction. When it comes to actually making the decision, the AI helps guide it, but a human is ultimately making the decision. The AI just produces a complexity of decision for them and puts several options in front of the underwriters who ultimately makes the decision. In terms of not wanting uh, to interact with an AI, uh, we, you know, we need to make sure as, as businesses and technology companies that there are easy and seamless ways to opt out of using an AI. So, for instance, if you call your bank and you need immediate help and you want to talk to a human, you should be able to say agent or hit zero or in some way get to a real human being. Mm -hmm. and, and the AI needs to be transparent, you know, with businesses, you need to be transparent that AI is in fact being used, which which helps us as well. Transparency is important for, for people feeling more comfortable with AI. No question. Uh, although it certainly is a good point, as you were making a little bit earlier, that the more we interface with this and the better it becomes, the more comfortable people are likely to be. Again, uh, Seth Dobrin is Chief Artificial Intelligence Officer at IBM, talking about where we are right now in the world of artificial intelligence and where we may be going in the year ahead. Where do folks go and get more information? We mentioned the report that you recently uh, have and some of the uh, projections as to what the future may hold. Where do we learn more? Yeah, so you know, over the course of the last few years, IBM Watson has had over forty thousand customer engagements, such as CVS and Kroger and Quicken Loan slash Rocket Mortgage that I mentioned. If you go to ibm.com slash Watson, you can learn more about that Morningstar report you referenced, or other examples where IBM Watson is helping businesses drive better outcomes. Fascinating stuff, Seth. Thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Have a great day.
Well, the Project Management Institute is out with their annual list of the 50 most influential projects of the year. And joining us this morning is PMI's North America Managing Director, Brantley Underhill. And Brantley, we have spoken with you folks before about this annual list, but I was particularly interested in learning about it this year because big, bold infrastructure projects have been very much a point of discussion in 2021. And that is one of several categories you look at for this list, right? Yeah, definitely. Our most influential projects list initially began in 2019 in honor of our 50th anniversary and highlighted the top 50 projects of the past 50 years. But this year's third edition shows the compelling efforts around the world and across industries that have achieved significant milestones, which have impacted our society in the past year. So if you visit the list, what you'll see is a total of 246 projects covering specific industries and locations. So uh, you're looking at uh, infrastructure, transportation, renewable industry, architecture, technology, and the list goes on and on various uh, uh, multiple industries uh, on this. And it's also worth noting that obviously over the past year, there has been a notable shift in the way people work and the way we navigate the world around us with more remote and hybrid working and learning and shopping. And I would imagine that that has some impact on this list as well in the sense that as our needs change, uh, our you know society changes. That changes uh, the scope and the types of projects that are initiated uh, for the benefit of society, if you will. Yes, that's true. I mean, let's take a look at the highest ranked project on the top fifty list. Probably not a surprise. It's the mRNA COVID nineteen vaccine, mm-hmm. which was created in under a year by companies Moderna, Pfizer, and BioNTech, and it's obviously one of the most important projects of the year. Because we know that the project teams had delivered by the end of 2020. Vaccinations were underway as we entered 2021. And an interesting side note is that researchers are now examining how this technology can be used to combat other diseases, such as malaria, cancer, sure. and cardiovascular disease. Yeah. So uh, that is a really interesting example of uh, maybe something that uh, people would not necessarily immediately think of as a quote-unquote project. What are some of the others uh, that maybe stood out on the list uh, to you that are uh, particularly interesting? Well, since you mentioned infrastructure and knowing some of the challenges of gaining access to high-speed internet, Uh, I'll take it to our neighbors in the north, and this is the Canada-Quebec Operation High Speed Project, and it's a collaboration between federal and provincial governments and six internet service providers, and their goal is to get 100% of Canadians connected by 2030, and it's starting by prioritizing 150,000 underserved homes first. So uh, let's kind of tie this in to uh, your uh, industry, the Project Management Institute. Talk about the ways that project management plays a role in making these projects that you cited and the others on the list, uh, making those a reality. Well, project managers live by something called the Iron Triangle, where the objective is to deliver a project on time, on budget, and in scope. Change happens through projects, and projects are the way that we turn our ideas into reality. So as you mentioned, imagine the last 20 months where workplaces and teams have had to adapt to remote or hybrid working. The project managers have often been looked upon as the people to help navigate this uncertainty to guide people through this change while continuing to deliver value and outcomes. And we can't underestimate the critical role that power skills play. We're talking about things like collaborative leadership and an innovative mindset and to a great degree, empathy in how work gets done. 
So a leader who possesses a strong set of power skills can literally spell the difference between a project success or its failure. So it is through that lens that you ultimately decide which projects uh, are make the list. Yeah, definitely has a big part to play in it. And we also rely upon our amazing project management community who provided input and nominations for this year's list. Now, we received thousands of submissions. Now, uh, you mentioned, obviously, the development of the COVID-19 vaccine, a, a project, and we can see the implications uh, of that, as you were mentioning some of the things uh, that may come of that moving forward. Uh, the other example you cited, the uh, uh, project to uh, get all Canadians connected to the Internet, there is a, a, a perfect example, and maybe you can talk about this, uh, how we take that example and apply it to other projects and, uh, you know, other um, that, that go beyond those, those specific projects where we can uh, apply that, that uh, theory and those uh, uh, big goals uh, to projects in our own neighborhood, our own country, and so on and so forth. Sure. I mean, these projects and the people involved in their success are truly something by which we can all be inspired. And I guarantee you that even if you don't own the title project manager, you are using project management skills at some point in your day. You consider things like listing and prioritizing your schedule and the things you need to get done, checking in on others. How are teammates doing in this working environment? Are my family members getting the care they need? A really important one is to have a growth mindset, to be open to learning new skills. And employers are actively looking for talent who are open and willing to learn. There are so many online learning tools for those who are curious. And even at PMI, we made some of our courses available at no cost since the pandemic began. Yeah, certainly uh, what we have all uh, seen uh, evolve over the past year to 18 months uh, just reemphasizes uh, the importance of, of having these skills and, and making sure that we are uh, as efficient and uh, as skilled at managing uh, projects moving forward because, like we have heard time and time again, this is likely to kind of be the new norm for a while. It definitely is. And we all have a lot of agility and adaptability to gain in our own personal lives. Again, uh, Brantley Underhill is Managing Director for North America, the Project Management Institute. Their uh, list of the 50 most influential projects of 2021. Really interesting, again, given what kind of tumultuous year we have been through over the course of uh, uh, the past 12 months. And Brantley, where do we get more information? You've got the list on your website. Definitely to view the complete top 50 projects list along with the industry and region specific list. Or maybe you want to nominate a project of your own for the 2022 edition. You can visit mit.pmi.org. Brantley, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. You know how there have been stories in the news of people uh, buying like fake vaccination cards in order to circumvent circumvent uh, mandate uh, vaccine mandates uh, requirements and all of that. Well, apparently this works the other way too. A Connecticut man has been charged with illegal fa- illegally fabricating a positive COVID nineteen test result to avoid going back to court this past November. <laughs> Chalk that up to uh, sounded like a good idea at the time. Junior Jump, age, what a name. I swear that is his name. Junior Jump, 
J-U-M-P-P, age 31, was arrested this past Tuesday and charged with one count of forgery in the second degree and one count of fabricating physical evidence. Back in November, his defense counsel told the judge and the state's attorney that he had received a uh, positive COVID-19 test and thereby was excused from appearing in court the following day. An investigation, however, revealed that the notification was forged and allegedly fabricated by Mr. Jump to avoid having to appear in court. <laughs> I've heard of people faking vaccination uh, thing, faking negative tests so that they would not be fired or, or not be banned from traveling and all of this. This is the first story of someone faking a positive test that I think I've seen. So... Uh, by the way, his attorney was exonerated. Apparently, his attorney knew nothing of this uh, plot. But <laughs> This seems like something that someone should have been informed about beforehand. A woman named Olivia Crump uh, said that she was stuck inside her apartment in Midgeville, Georgia, after she woke up one morning to find the stairs leading to the ground level were gone. <laughs> she lives in like a second story apartment. And, and the staircase down to the ground floor had been removed while she was in her apartment. She couldn't leave. She shared a screenshot of an email that contained a photo of the missing stairs, which she seems to have sent to her building management with the subject line, we have a princess trapped in her tower. <laughs> she told reporters the whole thing lasted about four hours with no way to get outside. Her dog almost had an accident in the apartment. She also says the apartment complex did not notify tenants beforehand uh, that the stairs would be uh, repaired and replaced. She only found out from her neighbor once the stairs were actually already gone. <laughs> I mean, we laugh about it, but what if there had been a fire? I mean, think about that. That's pretty scary stuff there. Somebody's in trouble. All's well that ends well, though. They were able to get her down. Uh, workers at the Philadelphia International Airport recently discovered a woman trying to sneak two knives through airport security. TSA spokesperson Lisa Farbstein confirms that a woman traveling through Philadelphia was caught with two knives hidden inside a teddy bear. Uh, TSA agents said the back of the stuffed bear appeared to have been re-sewn shut and uh, the knives inside were discovered when the bear was put through an x-ray machine. The uh, uh, stuffed animal belonged to the woman's nine-year-old son. Now, before you think that there was something nefarious about this, they were butter knives. They were <laughs> I don't know exactly what she expected to do with these knives. They're butter knives. <laughs> so, not particularly... Uh, overly dangerous, but still not something that you can take with you through uh, airport security. <laughs> Why they were there, who knows? But that's... This is not the way you want to start the new year. Beaches in Southern California have been closed after about 2 million gallons of raw sewage spilled into a Los Angeles harbor. Have you heard about this? A press release from the city of Long Beach says between 2 and 4 million gallons of raw sewage leaked into the Dominguez Channel on Thursday, which uh, in turn empties into the ocean. 
The city says it is closing all swimming areas near the channel because of the spill. The leak occurred in the city of Carson after a main sewer line failed. About seven miles of beaches are being closed as water quality teams test for pollutants. <laughs> Happy New Year. That's yuck. Speaking of New Year's stories, France is reporting that fewer cars were set on fire during New Year's Eve than last year. <laughs> Apparently, this is a decades-old tradition, illegal, but still a decades-old tradition in France, that people set cars on fire. Uh, fortunately, authorities say this illegal tradition has been curbed thanks to coronavirus-related restrictions. <laughs> Over 870 cars were torched, which is a lot, but consider that was over 1,300 in 2019. Uh, now, even though fewer cars were torched, more people were taken, into question, taken in for questioning this year. In Strasbourg, authorities announced that several police officers received injuries while responding to incidents. So the, how crazy is that? Setting cars on fire on New Year's. Man. And speaking of setting cars on fire, Thomas Katanen, I think is how you pronounce it. He's in Finland, and he found out that his 2013 Tesla needed a new battery. Uh, now, you know, batteries in electric cars, like batteries in your phones and everything else, do tend to degrade over time and will eventually have to be replaced. But he was not prepared for the price tag, $22,000 to replace the battery on his Tesla. So that's it. He said he had enough. But instead of, and the vehicle also had a host of other issues, error codes, water leaks. It was, it was kind of a lemon. So instead of shelling out the money for a new car, he decided to send his Tesla out in style. Documented his fiery goodbye to his Tesla in a YouTube video. He transported the car to a remote site and wired it with 66 pounds of dynamite. <laughs> he said he had several bomb technicians and experts uh, along to make sure that everything went smoothly. They dropped a dummy resembling C Tesla CEO Elon Musk from a helicopter onto the vehicle before pushing the big red button and it went boom 66 pounds of dynamite blowing up his Tesla <laughs> uh, it is our viral video of the day if you haven't seen this check it out uh, the guy from Finland who blew up his Tesla so far representatives from the company have remained mum on the viral video <laughs> There you go. That is today's broken news report to start off a new year. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Take WFIN wherever you go with our updated mobile apps for iPhone and Android. And now you can listen to us on your Alexa device. Get the app at WFIN.com or in the App Store or Google Play. Plus, enable Alexa by searching for WFIN under Skills and you'll soon be saying, Alexa, play 1330 WFIN. And the best part is the apps and skills are absolutely free on the air at 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM online at WFIN.com and on your smartphone, tablet, and Alexa devices. 
Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Americans, it, it appears, are less optimistic and more worried about what's in store for the world heading into 2022 than we were at the start of 2021. This is according to a new Axios Momentum poll. More than half of those in the survey, 54%, say they are more fearful than hopeful about what will happen in 2022. More fearful than hopeful. 44% say, say they're more hopeful. It's the other way around. So 54% to 44%. By contrast... Last year, the start of 2021, 63% said that they were more hopeful about the year ahead and just 36% more fearful. Uh, Laura Ronsky of Momentum uh, said that's probably because the end of 2020 heading into 2021 was a particularly hopeful time, mostly because uh, everyone thought things could only get better in 2021 after you know, the, the pandemic, it looked like maybe we were turning the quarter. And then, of course, we had a presidential uh, inauguration in 2021, which I know not everybody was looking forward to a new administration, but there were a significant number of Americans who were. And really, whenever you get a new president, it, you, you kind of turn the page, you're starting to look forward, and there's kind of a hopeful tone. So that, they say, was what led to the high numbers in 2021, but 2022, a different story. Uh, a majority still, even though, you know, we talk about uh, more people say they are fearful than hopeful, a majority of 61% are still more hopeful than fearful about what is ahead for the pandemic specifically, and 68% are more hopeful than fearful about what the year ahead has in store for them personally, which I thought was kind of interesting. So we're not as optimistic for the world as a whole, but we are very optimistic for our own personal situation. Uh, while 30% are more fearful than hopeful personally, 68% more hopeful. And that is certainly encouraging. In other questions, respondents named COVID and former President Donald Trump when asked what they would like to hear less about in 2022. <laughs> well, COVID certainly. And again, I know a lot of folks uh, at this point are getting a little Trump weary, but uh, Republicans had President Biden as a top choice, too, to be fair. And uh, when asked what they want to do more of in 2022, most people said, number one response, travel. Travel is what we want to do more of. But, you know, I think that was right up at the top of the list last year as well. And indeed, many people, many more people did travel in 2021. But again, heading into the end of the year, you've got this resurgence. Uh, travel for the future is a bit up in the air now. No pun intended. So it uh, once again is something we would like to do more of this year. And that, I suppose, does bode well for the travel and tourism industry because they're kind of sitting on pins and needles right now, given where we are in all of this. But interesting stuff, again, from Axios and Momentive uh, from Average Americans looking forward to 2022 in the year ahead.
Well, who among us has not been amused and entertained by uh, like those cat videos online? You know, the ones where folks try and uh, put their own voice to the to the cat or, or subtitle the video with uh, what they think their cat may be thinking. Uh, Ingrid Newkirk is uh, author of a new book called 250 Vital Things Your Cat Wants You to Know. She is the uh, founder and president of PETA, uh, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. And uh, Ingrid, what was the inspiration uh, for writing uh, this book specifically on the vital things that your cat wants you to know? Well, Chris, I think sometimes people get a dog and they know the dog needs to be walked and this, that, and the other, and it's a lot of trouble, and they get a cat. And they think, I'll just put the cat in the apartment or the house, and that's that. And it's not, because cats are highly emotional. They're intelligent. You are their whole lives. They know where you are at any given time. They're just subtle about it. The only time they're not subtle is if you're trying to type something, they like to come and sit on the keyboard, as you've seen on the internet. <laughs> right. And <laughs> you you should never bat them away or scold them. Scolding them is like sort of talking to Cindy Crawford about politics. It doesn't work. <laughs> and they get offended. <laughs> they are trying to get your attention to say, hey, I'm not a potted plant. I am a living being who is part of your family and please stay in the house and pay attention to me and make this place somewhere where I enjoy living, but mostly um, be with me, talk to me. So, like we said, we've all seen uh, those videos uh, online where uh, people try and ascribe a uh, voice to their cat or interpret what they think their cat may be thinking. Uh, how often are we on the right track with uh, something? Are we, are, are we completely off base? Because I'm sure you've seen those as well. I have, and often we're totally off base. I was just talking to a woman who said, when I go out um, for some hours, I come home, and my cat could care less. They just turn on their heel and walk away. As opposed, to, as opposed to our dogs that greet us at the door and can't, you know, are just jumping all over the place, happy to see us home. It is logical to assume that because the cat doesn't have the same reaction, that the cat is just kind of indifferent to it. Yeah, it is not that he doesn't love you. He's miffed that you ever left the house without him. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Ireland once, and my cat Jarvis, I, I left him with somebody he knew and loved, and they loved him. When I came back, whoa, that cat would not look at me, speak to me. He was thinking, you abandoned me. You walked out. I had no idea mm. where you were. And now you have the audacity to just come in here as if nothing <laughs> happened. They're very, they're very emotional. We tend to think of cats as, you know, perfectly content to be off on their own and they don't need a whole lot of interaction or they want it uh, sim simply on their terms. Uh, so how do we make our cat's life more stimulating and more fulfilling? You can do simple things. Cats are cheap. They may be difficult, but they're cheap. Is You think it's just a clump of cardboard. They think a, a cardboard box is heaven. It doesn't matter if it's small, they'll cram into it, or it's large, they'll lounge in it. Anything you dangle in front of them means that you care about them and it's something to play with. You must give them a view. Cats are professional bird watchers. They have to look outside, see what's going on, make faces at the dogs going by. So drag, I either get a cat tree or drag a bureau 
or a bookcase to the window, make sure it's comfortable for them to sit on with a bit of carpet or something. And I think cat TV is one of the best things that was ever invented. Our cats watch Formula One and NASCAR racing on it, and they swat at the te- they swat at the teams they don't like. <laughs> it's great. There's wild wildlife shows. You name it, it's grand. We mentioned the book, Two Hundred Fifty Vital Things Your Cat Wants You to Know. It's kind of the Cat Guardian's Bible, and you actually have a quiz in the book for cat guardians, uh, as you term it. What are some of the uh, things that folks will find uh, in that quiz? Well, there are lots, and um, you get a point for everyone that you know the answer to. One is, I know the signs of cystitis, and sometimes cats will do their business outside the box, and it's either you're not keeping the box clean, or they're trying to show you that they have a problem and you need to get them to the vet. Um, I have things like, do you remember to bring your cat home a present when you come home? And that can be as easy as a leaf It can be a feather you picked up, something to show that they were on your mind. Also, lots of things about, um, have you got a sticker on your door in case there's a fire when you go out that says, in case of an emergency, please rescue my, and then it shows which cats and other animals, which number you have inside. Mm -hmm. Have you microchipped your cat in case he goes missing? Lots of things like that. So some really great stuff there for cat owners and some eye-opening information about why your cat uh, behaves the way uh, it does and what you can glean from what your cat is trying to, uh, to, the way your cats are are reacting uh, to you and others and what you can, uh, how you can interpret that. Again, 250 vital things your cat wants you to know. Ingrid Newkirk is the author and Ingrid, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. And that will put a wrap on our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show, as always, at our webpage, and that is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the show, a big chunk of additional land has now been scooped up for the Eagle Creek Floodwater Storage Basin Project south of the city, making the first big story of 2022 flood mitigation once again. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, going out and making it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.